This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Hey, it's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, Scuttlebutt Nation, that's right. You've stumbled on the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Honest conversation with open hearts. A place for discussions, breakdowns, and deep dives. This is your safe space when it comes to nerd opinions. Because just like assholes, we all got them. <laughs> Strap in, grab your blaster, and some sunscreen. Because it's always sunny on Scare. Oh boy, it's the Scuttlebutt. And that's the Scuttlebutt. That's the Scuttlebutt. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of the Scare Scuttlebutt podcast. If this is your first time, big thanks for finding us. We try to present topics that aren't your usual fare, or maybe offer a more thinking nerd's take on stuff that people are chatting about around the water cooler. So big thanks for trying us out. Today you stumbled on one of our Quick Cuts show. Quick Cuts is a series of episodes where I take three topics and bring on some friends to talk about it in quick sound bites, as it were. Something that might not warrant a complete show, but still worth talking about. Three topics, three segments, three friends, and you're one of them, so thank you. At the end, if you decide that you like the episode, please tell a friend, or better yet, listen to it again with said friend. This way you guys can react and comment in real time. We are part of a larger collective of podcasts and shows under the Red 5 Network flag, so look for more at bio.link slash red5. All right, we've got some interesting tidbits to talk about, starting off with Andrew with Coruscant Radio Underground and the Science Fictionary Podcast. Strap in, grab your sunscreen and your blaster, because it's always sunny on Scarif. Okay, folks, we got another quick cut segment here. And to help me discuss tonight's uh, quick little topic, I've got Andrew from the Science Fictionary Podcast. Andrew, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, as the introduction says, our quick cuts are uh, we take a topic, uh, I bring a friend on, and we discuss said topic uh, in, in a quick fashion. Uh, don't want to take too much time, but uh, it's definitely some uh, some of these topics that are kind of uh, newsworthy, but uh, stuff that uh, kind of makes us go, hmm. So uh, let's uh, dive right in. Martin Scorsese is in the news again, slamming Marvel uh, movies, and uh, we want to see if we can kind of get to the bottom of it, or at least uh, see what uh, what this is all about. Uh, there's a couple of articles out there. Uh, Martin Scorsese slams Marvel movies again and says audiences must fight back against comic book culture, and here's the kicker, uh, by supporting directors like Christopher Nolan. And um, if right. I um, if I remember correctly, Christopher Nolan is uh, the director of probably one of the best regarded superhero trilogies of all time, The Dark yeah. Knight. Uh, so it's kind of ironic. What what do you think of uh, Scorsese coming back to the mainstream and uh, slamming the MCU as non cinematic? Uh, what do you think? I mean, I, I think. I mean, first off, I I, I think that it. It, the the whole thing with Scorsese really kind of comes across as you know the first thing I think of is the the Simpsons meme the <laughs> the old man yells at cloud yeah. it's like come on man it's like you've been up against popcorn movies 
forever. Sure. Like, like you know, you go back to 1975 as the, the first what we consider blockbuster. The only thing, the only difference I see is those were your buddy. Those were his buddies. Yeah, right. That were making the popcorn flicks back then. George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were, were his buddies. So, right. he, you know, he was fine with the popcorn flicks as long as it was his buddies that were making them. Yeah. Um, he's quoted as saying that manufactured content is in cinema. And uh, another quote that I found interesting is uh, he says that since the 80s, the industry has only been interested in making money. I find that interesting because, I mean, obviously, you know, movie making is uh, is a business. Uh, but I, I don't think that it started in the 80s. Um, I think, you know, movies have been, I mean, directors and studios have been trying to make, uh, you know, buku money, you know, for a long time and you have, uh, it's, it's always been about money. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and obviously you mentioned, you know, 1975, you had the, you know, the, basically the, the first blockbuster, uh, to be, you know, you know, Jaws, right. uh, Steven Spielberg. Um, but it seems like, you know, obviously times have changed, uh, budgets have changed, earnings have changed. We, you know, I don't know if you recall, what is the first uh, movie to hit a, a billion dollars? Is that Titanic? I would think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are a few before that that if you adjust, go over. Sure. But yeah, unadjusted, I, I think it's probably Titanic. Yeah. I mean, we've got, you know, movies nowadays that are really hitting, you know, that that one billion mark, two billion. I mean, all the, you know, the Star Wars, obviously, all the Marvel movies collectively have garnered uh, a, a nice chunk of change. His buddies were making these films before uh, his complaining about the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But um, I feel it kind of disingenuous, really, to to call these films, uh, you know, not cinema. I, I think, uh, yeah. and it's funny though because, you know, a while ago I had a show. Uh, we talked about uh, movies being more product than art, and I think for the most part, uh, you know, especially with these kind of films, uh, you know, we throw the term around. Uh, loosely when we talk about cash grabs and for the most part you know when you have you know 10 fast and furious movies um you know what are you going to call that cash grab or, or is that art um right but uh you know his, his comments coming back i what was the first time you remember the first time that uh, we heard him uh bash the marvel movies I don't know. He's been at it a couple of years now. Yeah, I think uh, I think the last time was last uh, October and I think it's uh he's due to to have another fit but, you know, another thing that this uh, article, I think it's the Daily Mail uh, in the UK, uh, stated that uh, when he was doing The Departed, that the studios wanted a, um, they wanted the, the, the two of the main characters not to die because they asked him if they can build a franchise out of The Departed. And he didn't want to do that. The studios left upset. And uh, he realized that uh, he would not be able to work at that studio anymore because he pissed off the, the suits. And you posted something earlier regarding, you know, him being either jealous or bitter. Uh, but it does seem like uh, like it's a little bit of uh, of all of the above, um, including yeah. yelling at the clouds. But um, but, yeah, what are your thoughts uh, further into this? I mean, you know, I think some of it I, I do think there's some jealousy. I mean, he's he's made a lot of movies during this time where he claims studios aren't making you know, art. They're not making cinema. I mean, he's made a, quite a few movies. Most of them just haven't resonated with people. Uh, you know, it, it's, 
this discounting of comic books, the idea, because this goes back, comic books were viewed as, comic books themselves, not movies, were viewed as material for children. Right, lesser. Uh, to, right. to the extent that when Stan Lee started writing comics, he was embarrassed about it. That's why he didn't use his real name. Right. And, and I, I think this is just a continuation of that. I mean, Scorsese's from the era of the people that kind of looked at comic books that way. And it, sure. it didn't surprise me that much that he, he views a continuation of that in, in film the same way. And, you know, I, I get some of his frustrations, but ultimately I think to discount what comic book movies are, they resonate with people for a reason. Sure. There, there are, you know, comic books have been part of the American mythology for a long time. And now even more so with it coming to life on the big screen, and, and it resonates with us. We, we see, you know, these heroes resonate. And I think that's incredibly important, having these type of just purely good heroes that resonate with kids. Like, I think that's, I don't even know if there's a way to put a value on, on that. Yeah. But I, I, I get some of the frustration. Like, I mean, I think there's at least one, maybe two generations of adults who don't know you, you could name great movies from the thirties, forties and fifties. They couldn't tell you who directed them. Right. Like, so, so I get that frustration. I, I, there are, there's a lot of information that's sort of in danger of being lost to time because people aren't interested in it. And, and some of that's just this generation missing out on some really good cinema. But I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there that's not comic book films. A lot. I mean, it's we talk about comic book films because they're the ones making the money. Right. But to pretend like there's not a lot of alternate material. Now, a lot of that alternate material isn't that great. And, and that, that might be a problem. But I think you can go back all from the history of cinema to the beginning. And largely, there's more bad than good every year. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, especially now with the advent of streaming properties, you have so many movies that are just greenlit that uh, aren't really worth the film that they're shot on. Yeah, they're just but, a full space. Yeah, but there are, you know, there are a lot of uh, you, you do have to do some digging, though. Um, you know, there, mm -hmm. there's uh, there's a lot of streaming uh, services out there. You do have to do some digging to find some gems. And from time to time, obviously, we get some nice recommendations. We get some surprises. So, you know, it's it's not to say that cinema as an art is dead because, uh, I'm you know, there's obviously directors out there, you know, creating some really personal films, creating some some films and movies that, like you said, resonate with with audiences. And I think at the uh, at the end of the day, um, you know, whether it's a popcorn film, a blockbuster, uh, an independent film, I think the 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 uh, I, the art of communicating through cinema um, is valid in in all of those genres. Um, you may not like one versus the other, but I think the um, I guess the the uniqueness of craft and, and method um, is the same throughout all the genres. Right. You know, he's got uh, he's got a new movie coming out. And obviously, you know, this could be a nice little marketing gimmick for Killers of the Flower Moon. Yeah, this seems to kind of come up when he's got something something coming out. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, you know, I'm not going to discount uh, 
his entire work uh, over one comment. Uh, I think uh, Killers of the Flower Moon looks uh, pretty incredible. Um, very, you know, you can call it cinema. Uh, I think it will be, it looks fantastic. I think it'll be great. Um, but uh, so will the next Avengers movie, I guess, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that that's kind of the, the thing is like, I, I feel like Scorsese, I mean, he's a, He's one of those names. He's certainly earned his spot. Yeah. You know, he he's one of the greats. It kind of seems like a little bit of gatekeeping if, you know, he made it to the top. Now he's got to kick other people back, you know, down the ladder from while he sits at the top, you know? Sure. Yeah. Uh, it just, the whole thing rubs me the wrong way. It's not... I mean, if you really believe that people need to be exposed to more historical cinema, art cinema, find a way to do that. Right. I, I mean, he's got money. Found school programs sure. that introduce kids to this stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been saying for years, I learning critique in school. Now, I didn't learn movie critique. I learned art critique in school. I spent four years doing that. And it's, it's you know, movies are a little different, but in some ways they're the same. Sure. Learning proper critique, it didn't just change the way I look at art or movies. It kind of changed my perspective on the world. And uh, yeah, I mean, things like that should be taught in schools. Yeah, and and they're not. And and I think I think those are avenues that could be used to introduce people to to classic cinema. But I don't know. It's the the whole thing. The way he is approaching it really rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I can see that. I think, you know, you say that uh, lessons like that should be taught in schools. Uh, unfortunately, uh, those critiquing lessons are being taught on the Internet. And uh, yes. <laughs> they're being done uh, in all the wrong ways. But um, absolutely. Yeah, so any final thoughts on our little discussion here? Martin Scorsese slams the MCU once again. What do you think? Last thoughts? I, I just at this point I, I think he has I, I think he's found a way to tap into outrage culture oh god to market his stuff I mean I, yeah. I honestly I feel like that's a little bit of what's going on it is that you know his name to he his name can will come up he can say anything about comic book films at this point and all the publications are going to cover him yeah that's true that's true Excellent. All right. My friend, Andrew, uh, Science Fictionary Podcast. Uh, tell the folks where people can find you if they are not listening to you and subscribed already. Uh, I'm hoping most of you listeners are, but uh, go for it. Yeah, check me out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sci underscore Fictionary. You can find both of my podcasts, the Science Fictionary Podcast and Coruscant Radio Underground, anywhere that you listen to shows. And of course, both shows on YouTube are under the Science Fictionary. Excellent, my friend. All right. Uh, you said that uh, Martin Scorsese has tapped into a little bit of outrage culture. Let's uh, do a little practice on our own. Piss off, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> All right. More quick cuts after this. Hey, 
Hey friends, just a quick reminder, if you enjoy our content and don't want to commit to a Patreon tier, you can show your love in other ways. Oh yeah. Of course, you can take advantage of our merchandise store at TeePublic, where we've got cool designs from all across the Red 5 network. Look for sale announcements and save up to 30 to 35% on all our merchandise. Oh, nice. And there's also a very convenient way to help support the channel. As you know, coffee is our friend. It keeps us going. You can show your appreciation by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Buymeacoffee.com slash Scarif. Any amount starting at five bucks, a one-time treat for us to help with all the stuff it takes to maintain the quality you deserve. And remember, it's always sunny on Scarif. And that's the scuttlebutt. And pass the cream, please. This is Sentry Mode. All right, guys, thank you for joining me on this edition of Sentry Mode. You heard the little jingle. We're going to do a little Q&A, and I've got some friends to help me out. I've got five questions, as usual, but this time we've got Amanda and Gilbert. Level up arcade. What is happening, guys? Hey, what's going on, man? It's... Hey, how's it going? Yeah, sorry, I didn't want, I didn't know who to, who wanted to talk first, so... No, I didn't know either, so yeah, we were both ones. Visual cues are important, and I think that's why um, I asked uh, Amanda for you to hook up your camera, but we'll we'll do with, with what we have, so... I'm getting it hooked up on Bluetooth right now, so... <laughs> Thank you guys for joining me. This is going to be fun. Again, uh, Sentry Mode is our little Q&A segment. I stopped doing it for a while, and people... Uh, messaged me and said, hey, um, I love when you guys did the uh, sentry mode. So uh, it's back. Um, it's back with a vengeance. So uh, I've got five questions for you guys. And I know you guys are, you know, you usually talk about games. Uh, so I, I wanted to give you guys a, an opportunity uh, to let the listeners know where you guys talk, who you are, what your, your, your show is all about. And um, I will let you guys fight for the supremacy of who's going to say what. Oh, no, I'll okay. definitely let Amanda. You, you take it from here. You are you are the the reason that show exists to begin with. Okay. All right. So I will go first. Um, so yeah, we are a Level Up Arcade podcast. We talk about all things video games. So from Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and a little bit Nintendo. And we basically talk about games that we're interested in new games. Where we have a big review coming up in a couple months for Starfield. So we will be discussing that in depth and going into that. And yeah, it's basically just a fun little passion project. And Gilbert is a big gamer, just like I am. So he was my perfect co-host and we have a great connection. So it was just perfect for us to do this show. Very nice. Very nice. And uh, repeat again the, um, the, the handle on Twitter so people can follow you guys. Yeah. So it is at Level Up Arcade. And I... Hold on one second. I believe there is a number after it. Is there? Uh, yeah, level. Yeah, it's level up arcade fifteen. Yep. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I didn't notice that. Oh, all right. Cool. Yeah. Yep. Go follow. And then you guys do uh, your live. You guys do live shows um, from time to time. Is that correct? But yeah. All right. Yes, sir. We do uh, live shows every two weeks. Our first episode was actually uh, about three weeks ago, and our last episode was uh, last week. Yeah, but we did. Uh, Video games that we would love, or video games and why we love them, was a kind of our introduction episode. And our last episode was a Red Dead Redemption Two review. Very nice, excellent, excellent. 
I uh, I did an episode, uh, a collaboration with the guys over at uh, Clone My Radio. Great uh, group of people, and Charlie over there. She uh, she asked me these Rogue One questions specifically, and I I was like, I bombed. I failed that quiz, and Rogue One is uh, my number two favorite Star Wars movie. So I'm very surprised. And I told uh, I told them that I was going to recycle these questions uh, on uh, on Sentry mode. So here we go. I've got uh, a couple of Rogue One questions, and the rest are you know more uh, general Star Wars. But uh, are you guys ready? Ready. Yes. So what I'm going to do, since there's two of you, um, I'm going to ask the question. You guys can discuss amongst yourself. And then when you are ready, just say, you know, this is my final answer. Um, so we'll, okay. uh, we'll, we'll take it like that. All right. So question number one, sentry mode. We all know that there were several code names for the Star Wars movies during pre-production. What was the code name for Rogue One? Ooh, the code name for Rogue One. Do you have an idea, Gilbert? Um, my it's just I'm funny. My mind clueless. instantly went to Blue Harvest, I'm... but that's not that's not correct. No, that's not that's the wrong movie. Right, I know that's the original. That's the first movie. I'm like, oh no. No. Um, oh um, boy. Uh, oh. I... We might. We're not doing very good on this first question. I don't. No. I don't know. I don't. I don't well, think we I, have yeah. this one. I was stumped too. And um, I have no idea. I don't. I don't even remember hearing a code name for this movie. Um, I'll give you a hint. Um, I'll tell you what the answer is. But the you know the the hint that I would give you is, um, you know, the movie is obviously about stolen plans. Uh, it's almost a, a, a spy thriller. You've got. Um, Mm-hmm. Almost like stealing plans to a nuclear installation, a nuclear bomb. Um, so the the uh, the code name for Rogue One was Los Alamos. Oh, di- do you know what's sad is I should have oh, known that. I'm, I'm from New Mexico. Alamos. I totally should have oh known that. Oh my god! <laughs> That's what I said too. I'm like, I know I've heard that before, but it just wouldn't it, it wouldn't come I fast have enough. Heard of it, but See? I never. For some reason, I didn't connect Rogue One with that at all. For some reason, oh yeah, that's too funny, too funny. Yep, that's exactly what I did, and that's exactly what I said. I'm like, ah, oh, I, I had it somewhere in the back of my mind. It just wouldn't come oh. out. Um, all right, question number two, Sentry Mode. What was Galen Erso's original name in the first draft of the script for Rogue One? Balin Urso's original name in the first draft of the script. Uh, Urso's original name. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's me. This, this one was a little hard. This one's a little hard even for me. I'm, I, I didn't know the answer to this one. Can you give us a hint? Is the last name the same or is it a completely different last name too? Yeah, it's a completely different last name. So oh, it's a completely boy. whole different name. Okay. Yeah. So, but what was his, his first, uh, his first, the original first name? I'm, I, I don't know. So I'm just going to make a funny answer. Jabba Starkiller. 
<laughs> I like it. I like it. Let's go with it. Let's Java with Star. That. That's your final answer. Um, Galen Erso's original name in the draft and the original draft of Rogue One was Walton. And do you know the significance of that? I feel Walton. like it's going to be something to do with like the creation of Star Wars, like one of the creators. Or, close, or... close, close. That's George Lucas's middle name. Oh, oh really? Okay. okay. Yeah, there yeah. you go. All right. Uh, I love trailers. And uh, when the Rogue One trailer was released, it was super cool. And I know there were a lot of things that we saw in the trailer that never ended up in the movie. They did a couple of reshoots, some redos, et cetera, et cetera. So my question is, what line from the Rogue One trailer, the original trailer, was cut from the final movie? And I'll give you a hint. Uh, uh, Jin Erso says it. I, oh, okay. Uh, I know which one. Which line, um, I, I don't. I'm trying to remember the line, but I remember it's when she's wearing like the, the stormtrooper armor, like the black. Ar- yes, yeah, the first trailer is when we see her in the black armor and like. Yeah, and she's, she's like, in ah. the. She's in the. Yeah, she's in that imperial armor, and she says yeah. a line. That's right. Oh, what is it? Ah. <sighs> oh. Okay, it's not it's not rebellions are built on hope because that is in the movie. No, because right. that's um, in the movie. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, it's no. not may the force be with you because she actually says that line. Right. Um, right. Yeah. No. Um. Okay. Is it? It's something. To, I want to say it's something to do with it. When she says something about the dark side, I don't. But I'm probably wrong about that. <laughs> oh yeah, no. no. Is it? No dark, is it no dark side was mentioned. Line about the Death Star. Is it like? Mm, like nope. No. <laughs> no. So I'm going to give you I'm going to give you a hint. Um Okay. It happened very early on when she was captured and she was on Yavin 4. So okay, she was, so she was happens- not wearing she was not wearing the uh the Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. It's Uh-oh, uh, got something. Uh, she says that she rebels, right? Or like yeah. no, I know. Yes. Not, no, that's in the movie yes. too. Isn't no, it? but that's, that's pretty much that's that's it. It's like that's she says, like, this is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. Yes, or like something I like rebel. that. Right. That's, yeah, that's I rebel. the line. Yes, that's the line. You got that's it. That's the line. Yes, that's it. Because yeah, oh, they should think about this. <laughs> yeah, it was like this is the rebellion, and she's like, oh well, I rebel. You know. Yep. Yeah. Oh. Perfect. Okay. You guys got it. You have been redeemed. Oh. Let's see here. Question number. Where are we at? Four. What was the code name? And this is um, this is taken from uh, one of the Star Wars games. Okay. So listen up. What was the code name for the campaign devised by Palpatine to punish the Galactic Empire for failing to prevent his death? Operation Cinder. There you go. Didn't even have to uh, confer with your partner. Operation Cinder is correct. I was going to say the same thing because of that Mandalorian. I knew episode. it exactly because you know it's a main part of Battlefront Two story oh, well. main campaign. So yeah. well, yeah. that too. Yeah, good game, <laughs> yeah. good game. Um, yeah, you guys are doing good. Uh, question number five, the final question on tonight's Sentry Mode. What was the first line said in Star Wars, and what character said it? 
wait, wait, wait. It was all right. It was C three PO. I know that much. Wait, uh, well, repeat the question. What was the first line said in Star Wars, and what character said it? Your okay, we're talking new, like New Hope, yeah. right? Correct. And you, okay, yeah, so you're, ha- you're halfway, you're halfway there. So it was C three PO. Hang on, let me think. It was and you have to say it like C three PO when you think of the line. <laughs> oh God, this is madness. Okay, I think it's okay. I, it's probably wrong, but I'm, oh, I, I believe it's. Uh, they shut down the main reactor. We'll be res- destroyed for sure. I, I believe we're doomed. I'm almost certain that it's because they're walking down that corridor, him and R2, and the alarms are going off. And that's got to be the line. Yeah, that is that is ninety percent correct. You guys missed. This is madness. The, this uh, is madness. He also wait. The no, he uh, the first line right before what you said was. Oh. Did you hear that? They've shut oh. down the main reactor. <gasps> so it, it was. It was. Did you hear that? Did, did you, you hear, hear that? that? Yes. Absolutely. Oh, I was so yeah, very close, very close. But uh, yeah, you guys did pretty good. Although you know, we, we got there was a couple of stumpers there, but um, yeah. I think overall you guys did fairly well. Did you guys have fun? Absolutely. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, it was really fun just us sitting here. Uh, you know, like oh my god, what was it? Like just trying to like scratch our heads and trying to like the wheels turning. Uh, it was great. This is Sentry Mode. Gilbert, Amanda, thank you very much for joining me on this edition of Sentry Mode. If you have any questions that you would want me to include in uh, next uh, Sentry Mode section, uh, why don't you give me a uh, give me a ring, give me a call, leave a voicemail seven seven three two three four eight six five nine, or send me an email. Sentry Mode. Let's get back to the main discussion. have an incoming transmission from the Scarif Scuttlebutt Hotline, Commander, and we can't withstand a voicemail of this magnitude! Hi, bro. This is Nicole from Used and Abused. I'm calling in regards to a post that I saw on Twitter, you know, also known as X these days. Anyways, your question was regards to iconic characters from movies. And I'm not going to lie, it's been very hard to get it down to just five. So let me get this as close as possible as I can. Let's take it off with your favorite, yours truly, and personally one of my favorites. And you cannot have Star Wars without him. And that is Mr. Darth Vader, as well as I would like to throw out Mr. Marty McFly. Cannot forget Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow. and. Two of my only other favorites. Oh, see, I can't forget Carrie Fisher and for Leia. Oh, my Lord. See, there's six. I have to go six. Sorry. Um, Julia Andrews for Mary Poppins, and I cannot forget Judy Garland for The Wizard of Oz. Absolutely one of my favorite iconic characters. So I tried for five. You got six. Hope that's okay. So anyways, may the force be with you, and I'm looking forward to that podcast. Take care. Bye. Hey there, Roe and Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Uh, this is Amanda. And uh, your question about fan experiences. Um, so I would say for me, I tend to not want to see things that are overhyped. So for me, if there is a lot of fans, like, freaking out over something, like, really big in the beginning, 
I am automatically like, no. Um, for an example, a show that was an example for this for me was Stranger Things. Stranger Things was really, really overhyped when it first came out. And I had no interest in it in whatsoever because typically things that are overhyped I typically don't like. I'm one of those that typically doesn't fit in with that kind of thing because it, te- it tends to be popular culture. And growing up as a nerdy kid, I was always the weird one. Like when the prequel trilogy was big, I was the only one that was into it, you know. And so, yeah, so like for example, Stranger Things, I didn't get into it until like season four. Um, so that's when I finally got into it and started watching it. And yeah, so for me, fan experience tends to be like if people overhype something and it's like all over the place in mainstream culture, I'm just like, no, I'm not going to do this. So yeah, that's my experience. So hope that helps in what you're looking for. All right. Bye, everybody. Hey, Star Wars fans and friends of the podcast, don't forget to leave the guys a voicemail for a chance to be included in the discussion. Let them know what's on your mind. Call 773-234-8659. And that's the scuttlebutt. Because of the laws of the state of Illinois, I must inform you that I have started recording. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that law doesn't apply in Missouri. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for hanging on to this episode. We are talking about quick cuts. And uh, with me on this second segment is, you know her as Danny the Wonder Kid. I don't know. How do you know you? How do how do people know you? What, what, what You're the nerdling of the Red 5 Network. Comics. I'm, I'm, yeah. Com- <laughs> comics and cosmetics. Danny, how's it going? It's going. It's going. I've been uh, enjoying a good day of retirement by you know, managing my time responsibly and just reading X Men comics all day. So very nice. Very good. nice. You've uh, you've uh, been adulting quite well. Yes, I have. I'm still in my pajamas. Oh, nice. Yeah. I had to change out. Well, today's my day off. I had to change out of my pajamas because I had to drive the wife to a, an event, and I just got back. But, uh, that's neither here nor there. People, <laughs> I know. I could actually, I could have drove in my pajamas, but uh, yeah, would have been good. Excellent. All right, so we are here talking about. Uh, you uh, had proposed a, a topic which I thought was uh, was interesting. Uh, you know, now that uh, we are kind of more than halfway through on the Ahsoka show, and uh, you know, everybody has been reviewing it. Everybody has been. Uh, talking about it, it's been on the forefront of the Star Wars brain, and um, it's a it's a decent topic. I mean, everybody um, has an opinion about Star Wars on the small screen, and um, with the anticipation of what Star Wars is uh, is up to, or at least what the future holds. Um, I think the Ahsoka uh, program has. Um, brought a lot of a lot of people um i don't know maybe i'm gonna dare to say because i have seen this on twitter not from everyone of course but uh it has brought out uh, a lot of people out of their funk when it comes to star wars um they feel like uh, ahsoka made star wars fun again 
Um, and, uh, you know, that, that is certainly the case for a lot of people, but I wanted to, uh, you know, talk with you because, uh, you had proposed a topic, uh, Ahsoka feels like the beginning of something bigger than Mando season one did. And, um, we're asking the question really, is Ahsoka going to be responsible for moving, uh, Star Wars, uh, forward in a, in a in a sustainable way you, you put in, in, and I, I find that question intriguing because I think, you know, I've always said that star Wars is uh, different things to different people, but um, what, um, what made you think of that topic? Well, the last episode, actually, when I was watching it and you just, you get this sense it feels big. It feels like Star Wars. It feels like like that first episode of Game of Thrones ever. You just know that this is going somewhere. It feels like a story. Watching that last episode, and I watched it probably three times, and especially when they are greeting Claudia Black's great mother and the two other night mothers. Mm-hmm. It just, I don't know how to describe it. It's well done. It's well written. It's well produced. It's well acted. The cinematography is just absolutely stunning. You can get really lost in just watching the shots that just staring at them. I mean, I know you do the same thing, you know, like pause it and just look at it for a second. The, the artwork is just absolutely stunning and it does remind me of the original trilogy in that sense that this is something that we've not quite had before i mean we had it we had the mysticism in rebels right we had that before but this is in live action so now it feels even more like it's really a part of the story the animations always kind of have that well not everybody watches those right you know, but this is bringing it into the conversation for better, or for worse. Everybody's talking about it. Sure. Everybody's talking about it, but you get this emotion, this feeling that this is what star Wars has needed for it to actually pull forward. We've been kind of stuck in, in neutral, like treading water, like, it had the franchise didn't really know what direction to go to keep going. And so we've been stuck in kind of this limbo, like where, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? And these last two episodes of Ahsoka, just watching it, I could feel that, you know, on the back of your neck, like this is where it's going to go. Sure. We're going to start moving away from that Skywalker saga in a sense, sure. because Ahsoka really is the continuation of that Skywalker saga. Hmm. And I think that this is this is where we're going to go. We're going to see more of, I think her and Ezra are going to have 
Jedi babies, Jedi babies. Well, yeah, let let me ask you this, because you you said something that was interesting. Um, You know, getting back to Star Wars, you know, we're expecting a movie at the end of all of this, whether it's Mm -hmm. a a movie at the end of of this season or a movie at the end of another season of of Ahsoka, just to kind of set Mm -hmm. things up. We are two episodes shy of the finale of, of this series. And I, you know, I definitely feel like there is a lot of story that is being crammed into this series. Um, A lot of little things that have been introduced through either the continuation or the advent of the animation. Um, There's a lot of, of stuff there that is definitely a continuation of the animation. I've got friends that are asking me, you know, how did a star destroyer get out to this far reach of this galaxy and, and who's Ezra and why do we care? So it's interesting to me as an Uber fan who, who did watch the animated shows that, uh, that these questions are being asked by, by casual fans. Now I, I will give you this, um, it does feel like they're setting setting it up for something bigger. I think um, I think uh, you know, and I've said this before with a franchise as old as Star Wars, um, you know, there's got to be a way to to make whatever story that they are telling now fit in the larger scheme of things. And we've gotten we've gotten so many stories now through books and and radio dramas and comics and and movies and TV shows and animated shorts and stuff like that, that it's, uh, you know, whatever they, whatever they throw at us has to be able to somehow fit in the larger scheme of things, whether it's part of the Skywalker saga or not, you've got, you know, a series like Andor that, uh, you know, I, I understand that it wasn't, uh, uh, the, the cup of tea of a lot of people, but um, I, I feel like it's still fit in the Star Wars world. And, you know, same with, uh, I guess, with Ahsoka. I find it interesting, too, that, um, you know, going into the past when we heard the news of Disney purchasing Star Wars, um, and now after the fact, I know a lot of people are not happy with that because of the way that the franchise has been handled thus far. Um, but, uh, you know, I was, I was happy with Disney owning Marvel. And at the time Marvel was, uh, you know, hitting some home runs and the product was, was up there as far as quality. So when the announcement was made that Disney was being, you know, was, was acquiring star Wars, I'm like, Oh, okay. That's, that's going to be interesting. I think, uh, I think that's kind of a good move. Um, so I wasn't. And then the hubris and, set and in. And then the hubris set in, and you know I love that word. Um, <laughs> but um, you know I, I'm not one of these guys that that talks about Kathleen Kennedy in a in a disparaging way. But I think you know there is a a sense of you know lack of leadership when it comes to um, these films, starting with the sequel trilogy. I think you know I think the business of filmmaking kind of took over. Yeah. Um, at that point, Someone and it suffered. Who, yes. Kathleen Kennedy or whoever, because Kathleen has a boss too, as my dear, dear friend and Lucasfilm alum details is constantly reminding me. If I start to talk smack about Kathleen, he's like, she has a boss too. <laughs> um, but you can really feel the lack of love 
and tenderness and passion for these stories and characters. As someone who has built my own little world and, you know, developed my own characters and published or whatnot, no one is going to know those characters and love those characters like you. They're not going to mean the same thing to another person as they do to you. That's you gave birth to that. That's your child. You can tell that this is strictly business for her. And it is a business. It absolutely 100,000% is. And we tend to forget, forget that a lot. Star Wars is a product, but it's also a mythology to us. It's also part of our culture. It's absolutely part of our culture. It is part of our film industry culture, which is American history, American culture. And I think that's been lost. They've gotten too big for their britches. They got real excited. Like, you know, you take your kid to the store and you say, okay, you can have one thing. Well, every time we go, that thing gets bigger and more expensive. Like they get right. smarter. Um, it's kind of like that. Like, well, I got this. So maybe we threw all this stuff out, but you, you lose something with that. You lose quality. Sure. It waters down. You keep throwing more and more out there just for the sake of it and not even considering what it is that you're putting out there, then it does water down that product. And from an outsider's perspective, which we all are, unless we are there working with Lucasfilm, you can absolutely tell the difference between someone that Kathleen Kennedy hires to do a project. And when she greenlights a Dave Filoni project, Dave Filoni loves these stories. He cares about them. He has skin in the game now. He has characters that he's created and are now just as much a part of the Star Wars universe as Luke, Leia, Han, 3PO, R2, and Lando, and Chewie. Ahsoka, Hondu, Omega, they're, they're all in this as much as they are now. I I think it that's why I feel like his projects they have that sense of more in this world and more crafted. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know I'm not making much sense. <laughs> no, I I I totally understand. And I think, you know, with a um with the lore as wide yes, um, as, was, as 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 Star yes. Wars is, you know you you know, and w with the stories as as complex as they are, with with this galaxy as far away as it is, it's uh, it doesn't make sense just to concentrate on one small group of characters. You really do right. have to expand. And I think, you know, new stories like Andor and some of the new stories that are coming up, like the Acolyte, whether you like to you're looking forward to it or not, or, or Dr. Afra stories. Right. So, I mean, They're phenomenal. These are, these are things I think that, that, um, again, I mean, you know, there's a, a couple of listeners that might not like what I'm going to say, but it's, these are things that I think are going to 
continue to keep Star Wars alive yes. in, in the ethos. I think uh, in order for Star Wars to continue to thrive, it does have to kind of uh, think outside the box. Um, and and if, if you really think about it, if you pick it apart, first of all, Star Wars is so expansive, it is basically its own genre now. Yeah. With its own mini genres, you know, subcategories underneath it. And that's cool because what that does is it opens it up to a wider palette. You've, you've got a wider audience. You you got kind of a love story with this one or you got action and intrigue with this one, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> I apologize. I had my finger off the button and I've been hitting mute. <laughs> but – so there's the first thing. It, it's good to have all these little sub-genre shows because you're right. Not everything is for everyone. <laughs> so it makes sense that we have these little things for everyone. And second, what's the one thing, especially in live action, that has not, has not been explored in Star Wars universe, but it's talked about and absolutely central to the entire thing. Jedi mysticism, the Jedi religion. Right. It's never been explored. Not once in yeah. live action. <clears throat> and that's what it's needed because it's inherent to the source material and the very root, the, you know, Star Wars, a new hope. It all started there. It's all grown from there. So it's, part of that but branching off into its own beautiful story and i think that's that's what we've needed we've needed something that was 100% true and rooted in the original trilogy and expands upon that but gives us new stories new fresh blood at the same time yeah i agree and i think um you know there's uh, obviously rumors and news about uh, directors coming in to, you know, maybe flesh out some stories about the origins of the Jedi or the origins mm -hmm. of the Force. Uh, you know, even in the Ahsoka show, you've got Balin talking about, uh, you know, something is calling to him to be able to kind yes. of stop that process of, yes. you know, rise and fall and and needing something to end or, or whatever. So it's, uh, you know, those ideas and those concepts are definitely out there. Um, as far as, uh, you know, as far as star Wars goes, I mean, you know, we, we, uh, I think the creatives behind the scenes also have to kind of tread gently because, um, you know, George kind of introduced the force as this mysterious, uh, you know, energy field, et cetera, et cetera. And fans got all, uh, you know, up and, 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 and uh, uppity. When, you mean Freddie uh, Prince did? Right. Well, regarding the midichlorians, I think a lot of fans. Oh, yeah. A lot of fans didn't like the um, the scientific explanation of the Force. I think it kind of ruined the mysticism, the magical quality of this energy field that was introduced in the original mm -hmm. trilogy. But obviously, you know, George did it for a reason. Um, mm -hmm. We'll you know we'll we'll see how that pans out. I guess. Kind of um, like the X gene. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's it's uh yeah, you've been reading way too many X-Men novels today. Is is there ever really too <laughs> many too much? X-Men no, comics? Not at all. But um yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I think, you know, like I said, if you ask a hundred people what Star Wars means to me, you'll get a hundred answers. Um mm-hmm. it's uh it, it's up to definitely up uh, for interpretation. Um but um you know, that we're going to be getting more Star Wars is is not the issue. I think the issue is, uh, you know, how will the the new Star Wars be perceived by older fans, by newer mm-hmm. fans, by casual fans? Again, you know, Star Wars is uh, a couple of decades old, and you cannot count on um, the old formula anymore in order a for couple, s- right, yeah, couple of decades, couple of decades, uh, <laughs> as you can see from the gray in my beard, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. I think uh, you know uh, the rumors say that Star Wars is dead, but I don't think it's. I don't dead. think so. <laughs> no, especially not after Ahsoka. I mean, I've seen some some diehard algorithm humpers, whatever you want to call them, <laughs> who are just like Star Wars is dead. It's over. Just leave it alone. And then they watch the last couple of ep- episodes of Ahsoka, and they go, "Oh, she's back." That's good. That's really good. <laughs> yeah. So again, it's 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 interesting, and it's a great topic. Um, any final thoughts on uh, Star Wars moving forward? Uh, we do see something big on the horizon, mm-hmm. and uh, I better eat my Wheaties because I wanna I wanna live a few more years to 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 watch it all unfold. Right. I'm like, I don't want to be eighty <laughs> and have to wait to figure something out like oh, come on give give something to the old people that are about to croak <laughs> i don't know it just it really does feel like a rebirth or the beginning of something and i know that dave and john have had this really really tough job i mean you go into any franchise especially when it's lagging like star wars has been especially after the sequels (laughs) um that's a tough job because you've got people like us and others that are far more aggressive about it that this is something treasured and precious to us to millions of people and they were told here you go now take care of it it's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of pressure to deliver. And luckily for the most part with them in charge, we've, we've been pretty lucky. The seasons one and two of Mandalorian were just so good. That season two finale, I stood up from the couch, like pumped my fist, like this is the sequel we wanted. Like this is what we wanted. You're so, you're so toxic. I know. <laughs> My toxic positivity. Um Book of Boba Fett just a hot mess. Season 3 was a hot mess. Granted there are reasons for this because of an exit, but a, Obi-Wan was not up to par either. It could have been great. Uh but I digress. Ahsoka and Mandalorian 1 and 2, that's that's how we go forward. Hmm. That that's what it feels like to me. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. The beginning of something new. Star Wars. 
Yep. Um, I agree. Danny, thank you so much for joining me on this edition, this quick cuts uh, segment. Tell the folks where people can find you to say hello there. You can find me on YouTube at Comics and Cosmetics. Please check it out. I do my makeup while breaking down all your favorite costume crusaders and nerdy loves. You can find me on literally all of the social platforms. Just hit the search bar, Comics and Cosmetics, and you will see my very, very nerdy face. Excellent, excellent. Speaking of new beginnings, let's start up a new segment. Let's see who else we have. We'll be right back. Hey there, kids and cadets. It's Tim from the FSF Popcast, and you're listening to the Scarif Podcast, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, it's Dragon Buddy, and you're listening to the Scarif Podcast. That's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, it's Toby One Kenobi. You're listening to the Scarif Podcast, and that's the Scuttlebutt. Hey, this is Todd Hoffman from WSTR Galactic Public Access and Big T Little T Podcast. You're listening to the Scarif Podcast. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Hello, this is Hondo Onaka. You are listening to the Scarif Podcast. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Okay, cut. Who has my credits? I must get going. I'm being chased by the Empire after all. Tune into the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. Deep dives, geek talk, and an occasional butt. Only on the Red 5 Network. Okay, folks, thanks for tuning in to this Quick Cut show. Andrew and Danny follow the Science Fictionary Podcast and Comics and Cosmetics, respectively. I said I would have three friends, but I ran a little bit too long, so we'll leave it here. I want to welcome a new patron to the Scuttlebutt Nation, Andrew Haley. I'm sure you've seen him in the chat on some of the other Red 5 programs. Please give him a follow and welcome him when you see him. I wanted to get to Ali K's silly topics, but I'm sure we'll get back to those real soon. A quick reminder to watch Scarif Live on Saturdays on our YouTube channel. Currently, we've been discussing the Ahsoka show with friends, so thanks to all of you who have been watching that. And don't miss our show on October 14th. The Red 5 Network Roundup is in the works. You ever want to see some cool nerdy collectibles? We'll be gathering together with some friends to showcase some of our favorite items. So be sure to tune in for that and watch our socials for announcements. Remember, we had a giveaway going. We're reaching the deadline and we've got a few people entered. If you're a patron, you have been automatically entered. So worry not. I wanted to give you guys a preview of next week's show. I'm getting together with Dave Humphreys again of what Star Wars means to you. If you like force powers through all the Star Wars movies, you're in luck. We're going to dive into all the force powers that have been introduced in the movies and pick our favorites, so watch for that next week. Again, a special thank you to Amanda and Gilbert for playing Sentry Mode from Level Up Arcade. Gaming talk and discussion. Why don't you go find them on Twitter and give them a follow? That's Level Up Arcade. All right, remember to tell a friend if you enjoyed this podcast. And for more Red 5 podcasts, go to bio.link slash red5. Until next time, see you out there in the interwebs. And that's the Scuttlebutt.
Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>